I can't help it that I look good, smell good, can't dance all night long. Uh, you've been talking to the apes and the giraffes and chimpanzees again, haven't you? Yes, I'm excited! Well, a new season and a new intro and everything, boy, we are ready to go. Hey, good evening, everybody, and uh, welcome back to another season here of Fast Freddy Rocks Youngstown. I'm here at the Youngstown studio in beautiful downtown Youngstown, Ohio, along with Joe Danier, the head man down here, and uh, we are going to have some fun. Uh, no guests tonight. We're just uh, getting back into the whole thing, and uh, we got a lot of stuff to get to today, and as we go on, I'll tell you what, we got a ton of great guests coming up you know I, I, comedians and musicians and derelicts that come in off the street some people say that uh derelicts off the street musicians and comedians are one in the same <laughs> djs yeah so you know it's a it's a little bit redundant but uh we got a lot of good people that are uh interested in getting back on the show and uh i, I think we're gonna have a great season here I don't know how we're going to fit everybody in to tell you the truth. I got a lot of people that want to come in and, uh, you know, people bring coming out with some new music and, uh, Oh, look at me. I got my Cleveland Browns bling on today here. Look at this one here. This, this chain here looks like Mr. T a guy gave this to me at the ice house yesterday and it has uh, Hanford Dixon and Frank Minifield on the, on the medallion there. And so it kind of looks like a big gold Mr. T chain, and uh, as you can see, I'm all decked out for uh, Victory Monday. Boy, was that a big win for the Cleveland Browns, you know. It was just so awesome that we have finally reached the point where we have beat the Ravens, we beat the Ratbirds, and the Steelers back-to-back. -back. I don't think that's ever happened. And I had my um, party yesterday over at the Ice House in Austintown. And I got to tell you, that has to be one of the first times in ages that we actually had a Cleveland Browns victory that everybody was like, yeah, we finally won. Usually would walk out of there, you know, with a long face, like, Oh man, what the hell happened? Not again, not again. But uh, I'll tell you what, there was some real smack talk going on this week, buddy. That's for sure. But um, I'll tell you what, it was a lot of fun. And, you know, we were talking earlier about the Browns and Steelers rivalry and, you know, I, I did a survey on my Facebook page and it was Steelers fans. Who do you hate more Cleveland or Baltimore? And it was unanimous that it was Baltimore. It was unanimous that it was Baltimore. And you know, that's the thing. Now that shows you though what a rivalry is around here. It's not really a rivalry because if, if somebody beats you all the time, it's not a rivalry. You know, they look forward to playing you because how many games did Big Ben win over his career for a while there? And he still might be. Big Ben might have still be and might still be the winningest quarterback in Cleveland Brown Stadium. <laughs> it's like, okay, so how's that a rivalry? They don't look at it as a rivalry. I think the 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 Steelers rivalry is big in uh is big in this area because we live with People. We live with the rivalry. We live in houses divided. Our, you know, our mother's a Browns fan. Our father's a Steelers fan. You know, so I think the fans keep that rivalry going. But really, when when it comes to who do the Steelers hate more, it's the Ravens. But hopefully, that's going to change, and hopefully, it'll be more fun. And you know, be, even look at how you know when uh, 
Ohio State was beating Michigan every single year. That wasn't a rivalry. If you beat somebody every single year and every time you play them, what's the rivalry? You know, a rivalry is I got to do something to piss you off or I got to knock your team out of the playoffs. Then the next time we come around and we play that last game of the season and we knock you out of the playoffs. And then, you know, that that I think is how a, a real rivalry should be. And hopefully we're bringing that back. And did you see this is, I think, the first time in the history of the NFL, the three teams that haven't been to the Super Bowl yet, Jacksonville, Detroit, and the Browns are all like seven and three or eight and two for the first time in their first 10 games ever. So maybe, you know, the gods are looking down upon us. Now, <laughs> would it be easy to win the Super Bowl without Chubb and, da and uh, you know, Deshaun? I don't know. And how about that one? I mean, come on. You know, I hear some of these people talking about, oh, hey, you know, be patient. You know, a couple years, this guy's going to show what he's really about. You know, you're going to see. But my thing is, we have been waiting too long. You know, we have been waiting since, you know, 1995 when they took our team away. How much more heartbreak do we have to endure? But I called the Browns were going to win this week. I, I had a feeling. I called it. Some people said I was on something. Some people thought I was drunk. Some people thought I was on drugs. Now they want some. Hey, what was that guy on? <laughs> Whatever it is. Hey, speaking of which, and uh, before we start the show, you, you got your glass? We're going to drink a, a toast here to start the show. Okay. I got some Weller Green Label. Okay. Oh, okay. This, is, this looks pretty fancy. So anyways... The glasses that we are going to salute the uh, the season opener here today are uh, from my friend uh, James Minoski and uh, his his uh, father Jay Bird, good friend of mine, you know, motorcycle guy, and we have had Jay Bird on the show a few times. You know, well, he's like one of the derelicts that comes straggling in, <laughs> but um, anyways, James is one of the top chefs in the Navy. He is like one of the top chefs in the whole Navy. And um, he got a, he got me a set of glasses here. And this is from the uh, White, Ho White House Navy mess. And I just want to salute uh, James and thank him for his service. And, uh, you know, keep up the good work, buddy. You know, and, uh, you know, he's, he's, in the, he's in the White House. So we got nice. these official glasses from the White House Navy mess. So salute to all our veterans. Salute. And welcome, welcome to a new season, Joe. All right. Mmm, yummy. Woo. Ah, it's one of my That's favorites. That's good right stuff there. right there, man. <laughs> and this you don't want to chug down. That nice sip right there is, is really, really where you want to be. We are fancy. Yeah, tonight. yeah. What is that stuff called? Uh, that's Weller Green Label. And that Weller will, Green uh, Label, the original weeded bourbon, special reserve. And it is 45% alcohol. That makes it 90 proof. Let's see here. W.I. Weller was born in Kentucky in the year of 1825 after serving with the Louisville Brigade in the 1840s. Weller returned to Louisville, as they call it. I call Louisville. it Louisville. <laughs> what, what around Louisville Slugger, you know? It's, it's nice. a Louisville Slugger. How did they come up with that? Louisville. <laughs> I don't know what you want to call it, but. How do you pronounce that one city down by Camel? <laughs> Lowville, Lowville, low. It's Lowville Camel Strutters. Okay, okay, that's Low all you need. Know, you know, yeah. And Vienna, not Vienna. Okay, yeah. So just so you know, you know, so 
And if you're from out of town and you're trying to pronounce Columbiana is another one, good luck on that one. But anyways, uh, he's reported to have used the slogan, honest whiskey at an honest price. His wheat recipe bourbon had a softer, smoother taste and became very popular. Pappy Van Winkle eventually merged with Weller's namesake company. And I know Pappy Van Winkle too. Now, Pappy Van Winkle's really like top-notch stuff, you know? You would think like a name like Pappy Van Winkle, and you would think that's some kind of rot gut, you know? Right. <laughs> You know, like a guy that looks like an Amishman, you know, yeah. smoking a corn cob <laughs> pipe, like the old guy from the Mountain Dew, uh, from the Mountain Dew thing, you know. But uh, I'll tell you, it uh, that's some tasty stuff here. I might have to have another sip. Yeah, Doctor uh, Sue would be very proud of us, right? I, now. I think she would. Doctor Sue, here's to you. And these are out of the official White House Navy mess glasses. Nice. That mm. yeah, is good. So, anyways, the Browns. That was a pretty good uh, win for us, and. Hopefully the rivalry's getting back intact. And uh, so, is DTR your guy? I don't know. You know what? I, I'm starting to wonder now how important is a good quarterback in some ways. You know, probably you know when it gets down to the stretch. Well, right. tonight, what do we got? The Eagles and the and the uh, Chiefs tonight. Re re recap of the Super oh, Bowl. Yeah, yeah nice. rematch of the Super Bowl. But anyways, hey, Ken, thank you. Ken says you guys deserved the win yesterday. Thank you. I'll tell you what, though. There was some smack talk going on this <laughs> week, man. There was some smack talk going on. I'm telling you. And, uh, it, you know, I ju just like the comments on our Facebook page and everything. They're just uh, everybody's back into it. Now we can all unite, though. We can all unite and get back together because we have another rivalry that most of us are probably on the same page with, with Ohio State this, coming up. This is bigger. This is a bigger one. Obviously. Oh, you're, you're putting the vote on that. You're, you're putting it on Ohio State. Probably, you know what? I'm, I think that's going to be my question tomorrow. What is the bigger rivalry? Mm -hmm. Ohio State, Michigan, yeah, or Brown Steelers? There's still some hatred around that game. And, and, you know, we still have these misguided Michigan fans around the area. I, that I don't get. How do you get so misguided that you're a fan of the team up north? Mm. You know, I, I don't I don't see how that – you know what it happens? It's usually – and I think this is the case that I've said before with, like, my sister. Like, if maybe you're the younger sibling and you want attention. So you want to go against what everybody else is doing. So it's like, hey, look at me. And you know you're going to get a rise out of people. You know you're going to piss off your family members. You're going to piss off your dad. You're going to piss off your brothers and sisters. And that's what you're looking to do. Right. And I think that's how a lot of that comes about. Yep. Just, uh, you know, people that started uh, seeking attention at a young age. And I, I think that's, I, I think, you know, psychologically analyzing that, I think that's what, uh, that's what that that that's that's where that comes from, but yeah, Ohio State, Michigan this week, baby. Now, right. seeing the rivalries back with that too, because what Michigan's beat us the last three times, right? Yep. If I'm not mistaken, yep. so now it's getting to be a rivalry again. But I like beating them every year. I liked when the slogan was "Michigan is our bitch again." Now, when that was the slogan, I thought it was really good. That's that's what I really enjoyed. Michigan is our bitch again, and that was great. 
I, I just like have a winning team. That's so awesome. Like Ohio State fans are blessed with having W's <laughs> in that column. Oh, I know, man. It's it, it's it's always good, and you know, and, and but the thing is with college football, every single team thinks it's them against the world, which in some ways it is. You know, you see Ohio State against the world, Michigan against the world, you know, Alabama against the world. You know, it, it seems that way though. When you're when you're in the top level of college football, everybody else in the country hates you automatically, you know, cause you're all fighting for that top 10 and you're all fighting for the playoffs. So it's not like, you know, in, in the NFL where, you know, eight, 12 teams are going to make it to the playoffs. You know, this is like, this is the whole country. So that's true. If you're up there in the top, you know, in the top, everybody else is going to hate you. That's it. And, and it's just, you know, it's not even a, a thing, but, um, Ohio State, Michigan coming up this weekend is going to be a lot of fun. So it reminds me, you know, the, the the old joke. There's an Ohio State fan, there's a Michigan fan, and there's a, a Penn State fan. And they all die and they go to heaven. They're standing at the pearly gates. And what do they see? This big, long staircase, the stairway to heaven. And God looks at them and he says, all right, here's the deal, guys. He goes, every few steps you take, I'm going to tell you a joke. But if you laugh, you're going straight to hell. And these guys are like, oh, okay, that's no problem. So the Penn State fan says, yeah, I'll go first. So he goes up a few steps. God tells him a joke, funny-ass joke. He doesn't laugh. He keeps going, and he keeps going. He's up, you know, there's a 1,000 steps. He gets up to about... 288 289 god is really killing with the jokes he gets up to about step 300 he busts out laughing boom straight to hell so much for the penn state fan next thing you know the ohio state fan gets up there oh no problem man i could do this i could do this no problem i'll do this in my sleep go ahead god give me your best best jokes so God's just rattling off these jokes and he continues to climb up the staircase. He gets up past 300 where the Penn State fan gets. He's almost a 400. He's 500. He's halfway up there. God tells this joke. He starts busting out laughing. Boom, down the staircase, straight to hell he goes. All right, here comes the Michigan fan. The Michigan fan comes up there. God is telling one killer joke after another and the michigan fan is just going up the staircase 100 200 300 400 500 he passes the ohio state guy 600 700 800 god's just laying these jokes one after another he's throwing at them the guy gets up to step 999 and the next thing you know he just starts laughing hysterically and God looks at him and goes, why, how did you make it all the way up to the 999th step? And then you start laughing. And the guy goes, the Michigan fan goes, that's because I just got that first joke you told. <laughs> <laughs> so, O-H-I-O, Muck, Michigan. Nice. <laughs> Uh-oh, my sister's checking in. Okay, yeah, I, I got to get her on the show here sooner or later, just because it, it wouldn't be right if I didn't. 
Hogs checking in. The Hogs, we got to get the Hogs on the show yes, too. He's waiting until he retires, though. Hogs is waiting until he. It's like the fourth time he's retired. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. So I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what's going on with the Hogs there, man. But uh, I, I, I really don't know. I really don't know. Hey, today is Joe Walsh's birthday, and uh, Joe Walsh, what a cool guy. He is one of the coolest people out there, and you know he was born in Nebraska. And he was, um, he was born in Nebraska and his family moved to New Jersey and they lived in Columbus for a long time. And then when it was time for him to decide if he was going to go to college, he, he, it was either Rutgers or Kent state. And he moved, he went to Kent state and that's where he really launched his musical career with a band called the measles and the James gang, you know, and, and barnstorm and uh, Joe ended up, um, you know, where he's at today. And one of the first times I saw Joe Walsh, this is crazy. Now, of course, I saw him hot day at the Idor Park. You could hit the sounder there. You know? <laughs> I'm not even ready. Oh, okay. It's, it's, it's the first show. I don't know. Maybe it worked. Yeah, maybe, it, maybe it didn't. Okay. <laughs> well, we'll, we'll, get the, we'll get the kinks out of that. But anyways, I was about, um, I'm probably going to have to say about 12 years old. And they used to have this club on the south side of Youngstown called the Freak Out, and it was called the Apartment for a while too. And this was kind of like the predecessor to the, uh, to the Tomorrow Club. You know, this is where all the local bands would play, and then they would bring in like upcoming national acts. You know, Donny Iris was with the Jaggers; he played there, and you know, uh, you know, a, a lot of the bands used to play there. It was it, it was the spot, and they would also bring in these uh, regional acts. And uh, one of the guys was Joe Walsh. Now, Joe used to play around the Youngstown area a lot. I think he even played a prom for one of the schools, you know, the James Gangs, one of the schools in Warren. And I and they had this place there, you know, St. Mary's Hall. And uh, that was in, they used to have the CYO Catholic youth dances there and all that stuff. The youth dances used to be a really big thing back in the day, man. These teen dances used to be huge. And, you know, throughout the years, I've seen Joe at a lot of different places, had a chance to interview him. We're going to play a little clip from that interview coming up in a little bit. But um, one of the things that uh, I, one of the first times I saw Joe Walsh, and this is just and, and I had the same thing happen with Bob Seger. But I'll just since it's Joe's birthday, we'll keep it with Joe Walsh. Um, they used to have that club called the apartment on Midlothian Boulevard. It's, it's the utopia now. And what's kind of crazy. It's right down the street from the radio station. So I pass this thing every day. Well, back in the day, it was in this strip mall and they had, you know, buy low grocery store and they had a bank and they had a dry cleaner auto parts store. And they had the, uh, the, 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 uh, the freak out or the apartment and they had a laundromat. Well, the laundromat wasn't too far from our house. And for some reason we would always go to this laundromat. Right. And so, you know, my mom would drag me and my sister along the little laundromat and, you know, you just kind of have to sit there. Nothing more boring than that. So I would walk up and down the, the, uh, you know, the back of the plaza and stuff and just walk around the building or whatever to relieve the boredom. So the one day we go there and my sister got this brand new glow in the dark Kool-Aid Frisbee. You know, you saved up 10 packs of, <laughs> you saved up 10 packs of Kool-Aid and you sent them in and we get this glow in the dark 
Kool-Aid Frisbee. Coolest thing comes in the mail. You open it up. So we're out in front of the, the apartment there and we're throwing the Frisbee around, you know, wouldn't you know it, it goes up on the roof on the awning over the thing. Mm. Now my sister's distraught. She just, we just had this thing for 10 minutes and we <laughs> throw it up there. So she's crying. I go inside. I talk to the guy and I said, Oh man, our Frisbee's on the roof. You know, he goes, Oh, don't, don't worry. Don't worry. He goes, I'm just getting up ready to change the sign. I'm getting the ladder out to change the sign on the marquee. We'll get it down for you. Don't worry. So he goes up there. He gets the Frisbee, tosses it down. And the next thing you know, he puts James gang on the sign. Okay. So my sister gets her Frisbee. She goes back. I walk inside the freak out. Right. And it, it was, it was like kind of crazy because, you know, the lights are off. It's just people in there mopping floors and stocking coolers. And, uh, you know, the, the lights aren't even on and the, 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 ch the chairs are upside down on the tables and everything like that. And so there's the James gang in there. And they're doing a sound check. So I walk up to like the front of the stage. And so there's Joe and he's doing funk 49 walk away, you know, all these songs. Wow. And I'm the only person standing there. I'm like about 12 years old. And I was completely blown away, you know? And I, I think even back then and at that age and at that, you knew there was something good about this guy, right. you know? And I, I immediately became a fan, you know? And who would have known that after that, you know, fast forward, to today now he's 76 years old and you know he's beyond superstardom yeah. and this guy really got a, a a big part of his start in the in northeast ohio and, and in the youngstown area you know he right. played i caught him at hot day he was one of the first people to play at the tomorrow club before it was the tomorrow club when they changed from just having movies to the state theater to make it a music venue joe walsh and barnstorm were the first band to play there so Joe has a, a big, a big fondness for the Youngstown area, you know, and we'll tell you why too, coming up first, we're going to play a, 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 a little short clip here. This is Joe's drummer, Joe Vitelli. And Joe is an amazing talent in his own. He's a, he's a drummer. He has a book out called uh, backstage pass. And he talks about all the people that he played with over the years, the Eagles, Crosby, Stills, and Nash. He has had an amazing career. And he's from Canton. And he has just had this fantastic career. And he has a book out. And he talks about all his adventures and working with Joe and his solo stuff. And he recalls, like, some of his early bands playing around places like Newcastle and Youngstown and everything. So all these guys are familiar with the Youngstown area. But this is probably one of the greatest Joe Walsh stories ever. And this is from his drummer, um, his, his drummer, Joe Vitelli. And this would have been a moment in Northeast Ohio rock history that you would like to take a part of. So anyways, it happened on water street in Kent, Ohio. And this is just one of those crazy stories that I, I don't think will ever happen again. So here's, um, this is Joe Vitelli talking about the day that Led Zeppelin came to Kent, Ohio. Joe was up in Cleveland um, uh, opening for the Led Zeppelin, and he invited him down to JB's in Kent to jam. And I was down there playing with my local band, so Joe walks in with them guys, and we're jamming. 
Joe Bujak never sold so many, so many beers in his life that night. And uh, what's, what's funny about it is Joe Bujak, being from Europe, he didn't really know who Led Zeppelin was. We packed the place. He sold thousands of dollars worth of beer. And uh, after we were done, he went up to Robert Plant and, and, uh, and Jimmy Page and asked him if they were open on Thursdays. So here's this guy trying to book Led Zeppelin every Thursday night at his bar in Kent. Now, I've heard that story before, but I didn't realize it was true. Yeah. And not only true, I was there. I watched it go down. And we got to jam with those guys. And see, we didn't tell anybody. Word got out in the street, though. In, in about 10 minutes' time, JB's, it was nuts. It was completely packed. And, um, uh, I mean, it, it's 1969, Led Zeppelin's in JB. It's crazy. Man, can you imagine that? Can you imagine that? There you are, and you walk into a bar, and there's and there's uh, and there's Jimmy Page and Robert Plant from Led Zeppelin on stage jamming with Joe Walsh, <laughs> and, and the, the funniest part about it is that Joe Bujak that owned the place, he was some old hunky guy, and he hadn't a clue who these guys were or whatever, <laughs> and he's trying to book them for like open open night, open mic night, you know, and I always thought that was crazy. Now. Our other uh, clip here with Joe Walsh. You got it up here? Yep. Got her other clip? This is with I had a chance to talk to Joe Walsh when he came to the record connection, the Pine Tree Plaza in Niles. And he did an old school autograph signing session. And the reason he came there is because Joe is good friends with um, Dave Grohl from the Foo Fighters. And Dave told him about how they did uh, Record Store Day there. And the Foo Fighters actually did a, a show for 150 people at the Record Connection, which was just off the charts, you know? And 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 uh, Joe had heard about it uh, through through Dave. And, and when he came to play Packard Music Hall, he wanted to do an old school record store autograph signing session and he come out i had a chance to talk to him and i'll tell you what he was one of the coolest guys you ever want to meet i am a fan of joe walsh for life and uh this is about here he talks about meeting Jimi hendrix in youngstown so here's a, a little bit of my conversation from a few years back with uh joe walsh joe was up in cleveland um uh, opening for the led zeppelin and he invited him down to jb's in kent to jam and I was down there playing with my local band. So Joe walks in with them guys and we're jamming. Hold on. Joe Bujak never sold. We'll, we'll get it going. Hey, first week, you got to give us, uh, just look up Fast Freddy, Joe Walsh, Youngstown. Maybe I sent you the wrong one twice. Okay. All right. We'll get that going. Hold on here a second. But anyways, like I say, Joe Walsh has got to be one of the coolest guys ever. And I had a chance to catch the Eagles on that farewell tour. I got to tell you, those guys sound so good. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, let's hit that one. And I'll tell you what, the Eagles on this tour have been sounding so good. And Joe is just jamming. And if you get a chance, if they come back a second time, which I think they will, you'll definitely want to check it out if you're an Eagles fan. But anyways, this is a little conversation I had part of a conversation I had with Joe Walsh at the record connection in Niles. And he talks about meeting Jimi Hendrix and he talks about playing with Phil Kagey and a lot more. So let's, we got it up here now. First vinyl. Do you remember? Uh, Buddy Holly. I bought a Buddy Holly album. Now, is that the thing that changed you? Is that the, you know, when you heard Buddy Holly or who was the guy that made you pick up a guitar? When I was really little, Les Paul, I heard Les Paul and Mary Ford, How High the Moon, as a matter of fact. Uh-huh. And I was pretty young when that happened. But I, I didn't know what that was or or I, I didn't know 
what that was. And I found out it was a guitar, and I'm still trying to learn that song. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, of course, you're friends with Dave Grohl, and uh, Dave is originally from Warren, Ohio. He was born here, and he was here at the Record Connection, and he did a fantastic show, the Foo Fighters, because he was the ambassador. Uh, you know, what's your thoughts on Dave? Did, did he have anything to do with you coming here? Or, uh, you well, know, what's, what's you that? Know, of all the bands I've ever been in, it, it's secret, but I am also a member of the Foo Fighters. And so Dave, Dave actually made me aware of, of this place. How did you end up getting to Kent State? I got accepted there. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> I got accepted at Rutgers also. Uh -huh. And I wanted to get out of New Jersey. So uh -huh. I came back to Ohio and uh, went to Kent State. And, uh, uh, you know, I think it was just meant to be. I was supposed to go to Kent. Now, I interviewed uh, Phil Kagi a while back, and I know you and Phil were really oh, good friends. Yeah. You guys used to jam together on Water Street and that sort of yeah, thing? Yeah, we used to play play shows together. We, we played both played uh, Packard Music Hall. What was the name of his band? Glass Harp. Glass Harp. Yep. yep. Glass Harp and the James Gang. Yep, and he was talking about you guys would jam out even just on jam nights or something. You'd get up there and bang out those Jeff Beck songs well, and things like that. Well, I tell you what, the first night we played with Glass Harp, I heard Phil play, and I thought, geez, I'm, I'm not as good as I thought I was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Phil's a, Phil's a master. Hey, one more question, hey, then Phil, I'll let you go. <laughs> what does Jimi Hendrix mean to Joe Walsh? Well, he was really the man. You know, I uh, I got to meet him. At a show in Youngstown, as a matter of fact, I mean, I met him briefly. I showed him my guitar, and he showed me his. And uh, he took the time, you know, to mm -hmm. visit with me. And uh, when a hero does that, it changes your life. And that's one guy that was uh, had a grace about him and was a humble gentleman. And I've tried to kind of be like Jimmy. Uh, off stage and uh, he, was, he was as good as it gets and so far ahead of his time. Now I've had some uh, Jimi Hendrix historians uh, debate that and question that, that that's where he met him, but I'm sticking with Joe's story. I don't <laughs> care, man. If Joe Walsh said he met Jimi Hendrix in Youngstown, Ohio, then I'm going with it. Now, I'm pretty sure now I had heard that story before, not from Joe or anybody else. And what I heard was Sly and the family stone and the James gang played at Struthers field house and the James gang opened the show. And Jimmy happened to be in Youngstown at that time to see Sly. Now the, the historians debate this, that he was there or whatever, but that's what I heard. And then uh, I guess the crowd was a little rowdy and the cops shut it down and Sly didn't get a chance to play or whatever. And then the whole show just went to, went to hell. But that's the story that I heard. And if Joe Walsh said he met Jimi Hendrix in Youngstown, Ohio, I'm sticking with that story. That's my story and I'm sticking to it. Hey, a lot of people checking in here today. Uh, Russ Myers, good to hear from you, Russ. Uh, let's see, Lauren checking in. Uh, what is that? Betty? Birdie? Birdie. Birdie Morrison checking in. My sister, Lynn. My buddy, Eric. The Vindy's checking in, too. Uh, we got to get the Vindy's on oh, here yeah, this time around, sure. too. Uh, you know, everybody, you've interviewed the Vindy's. Cornell's interviewed the Vindy's. Everybody has interviewed the Vindy's but me. 
And, like and, you know what? And I think <laughs> I think I was at one of their first gigs. You know, we did a, a St. Patty's Day show at uh, V2 years and years and years ago. And I think that was one of their first gigs. So I was like in on the ground floor. And I just like to hang hang around with those guys or hang on their coattails because they're going somewhere. Oh, they are definitely, they're one, this close. One centimeter away. They are this close. And uh, they're going to be opening for Donny Iris on, I believe it's March 15th or March 16th uh, in Pittsburgh. And you can look that up online. But, uh, you know, Donny Iris has been battling cancer. And uh, he's done with his chemo. He's feeling good. And they're going to be doing the Luck of the I Irish uh, show uh, coming up uh, March 15th, 16th, 17th, 15th or 16th, right around there, right around. I think it's the 16th, but uh, you can find the details online. And uh, boy, it would be nice to get Donnie and them on there. And we'll drag Cornell Perfect. in. And, uh, you know, because Cornell uh, Bogdan is a big, a good friends with Donnie. And uh, boy, it would just be nice to get them on there. And, you know, Donnie could go off too. There's another guy that has played the Youngstown area so much in his career, you know, going back to the Jaggers, the rapper, when they came out with that song, I could remember them playing at, uh, at the, um, you know, the apartment on the South side. And, um, then he was with wild cherry for just a little bit. He wasn't the original play that funky music lineup, but he was in with wild cherry there for a while. So he was with the Jaggers. He was kind of like a one hit wonder with the rapper. Then he was with those guys who had play that funky music, white boy, which is probably their only song. And then, you know, even though I don't consider Donnie a one hit wonder, but probably Leah is his biggest song, you know, and love is like a rock and he's got a lot of other ones, but, uh, yeah, Donnie, uh, Donnie has had a, a, a big career and Oh, here's a little known fact. When Donnie Iris played at the tomorrow club, the opening act was Bon Jovi. And I, there's pictures floating around out there somewhere of like Bon Jovi and a band wearing like Donnie Iris t-shirts and stuff. So, you know, it, it would really be cool to get the, the, the Vindies and uh, Donnie on at the same time. And just talk about some of them good old days of uh, Donnie playing around the Youngstown area. So yeah, maybe we'll make that happen. Maybe we'll make that happen. Yeah. Dean is uh, checking in and uh, Bradford. Bradford Gill checking in. My buddy Wally Fellner checking in. We had a good time the other day. Me and Wally were out at the uh, Deadly Blues Festival at the Manicore Club in Sharon a couple of weeks ago. And our buddy Norman Nardini was there, another Pittsburgh guy. And I'll tell you what, we had ourselves a great time, man. We had an excellent time. And uh, Bob Matsey's checking in. Hi, Bob. How are you? You know, Bob uh, waiting for uh, some kind of polka band to come back. <laughs> I see Bob at every show. I see Bob at every show that, that's out there. So some of these people are like big music fans, but uh, yeah, happy birthday going out to Joe Walsh, man. What a guy I'm telling you. I mean, he's been through some crazy times in his life, but he's clean and sober. He said the biggest thing that the, the, the worst thing that happened to him was that he became friends with Keith moon from the who. And he said, you know, after that, that was it. I mean, these guys would just tear up hotel rooms with chainsaws <laughs> and stuff. And uh, Keith Moon took a liking to Joe Walsh. And boy, I'll tell you what, it, uh, it, it, it was a couple of crazy years there after that. But then I think Joe really did bring a lot to the Eagles, too. You know, he brought that that drive with his guitar and he had a little bit of a sense of humor. He's a funny guy. You know, not a little bit of a sense of humor, but he brought his sense of humor and he brought that driving guitar to them guys. And I'll tell you, I, I got to say it again. You got to check out. Uh, you got to check them out. You know, 
check out the Eagles on this tour because they sound really, really good. And, you know, they have Vince Gill with them now. And I, you know what, as, as we go on, you know, some people, oh, it never goes to you. It's not Don Henley. It's not Randy Meisner. It's not, you know, but I'll tell you what, they really do put on upper echelon. Their vocals sound so good. They got six singers on stage. Everybody in that band can sing. And Vince Gill could still hit those high notes. He's young enough that he could still hit those high notes. And, you know, he's been like the country vocalist of the year, country instrumentalist of the year many times. So he gets out there, he plays, he sings, and he almost carries the band, if you ask me. You know, Don Henley, I think Don Henley's playing it right. He's not overdoing it. You know, he gets out, and when it's time for him to be Don Henley, he's Don Henley. And Joe Walsh is just amazing. Timothy B. Schmidt can still hit some high notes. And I'll tell you, when they come out and they start the show with Seven Bridges Road, you know, and the harmonies on that, they hit that thing. They hit it so well. It's just like, damn. You sit back and there are stars in the southern sky. And everybody just stops and just goes, holy shit, these guys aren't messing around, you know. But, uh, yeah, they're really good. Hey, let's see. Tracy Randall is checking in. How you doing, Tracy? Sorry about your loss. No, I'm not. You know, but uh, Tra- uh, uh, the, the Steelers game. But, you know, Tracy put up a good a good fight for first ward councilman in her first uh, shot at uh, running for office. And I think she did a really good job. She just come up against a tough opponent. And I think she's just getting started. And I think you'll be seeing more from Tracy. And I think Tracy is somebody that really cares about Youngstown and really does want to make a difference. So sooner or later, Tracy will find her right spot. And uh, we'll be hearing more from her. She's a really good person. Yes, she is. Yes, she is. She really is. So Tracy, best of luck. But, you know, yeah, do I feel bad that the Steelers lost? No, not Not at all. all. Nope. Hey, Tony is checking in from Arlington, Texas. How you doing today, Tony? Good to hear from you. Good to see you checking in with us. And uh, I'll tell you, we've just been having a good time, man. Uh, You know, this is our first show back. I, I had such a busy summer. And, uh, that's good. I got a lot of stuff done. You know what I mean? No, it's been nonstop. My summer was nonstop. We had a lot of great motorcycle stuff. And, uh, actually we, we just kind of almost wrapped the motorcycle stuff up this last weekend. Uh, my buddy bear Landis does his annual Turkey trot. And we had the guys from the Teamsters Horsemen and the 330 Motorcycle Enthusiast. And, uh, you know, they did a big food drive and we delivered a bunch of food down to the rescue mission, like 150 turkeys oh, and a, nice. over $1,000 worth of fixings. And, uh, you know, they do it every year. And it was nice. Last year was 18 degrees and these guys still rode. This, this, Saturday, this Saturday was kind of nice. It was actually a nice motorcycle day of what's left. And then um, after that, um, the guys at Masters Bar and Grill um, had donated 340 bicycles to Toys for Tots and the Marine Corps from their uh, tots, Shots for Tots promotion. And, you know, it just shows you these motorcycle people are out there raising money and trying to help out when, whenever we can, you know. And there's a lot of people out there doing some good stuff, and we've done that all year long. And especially all summer, you know, we, we did a, a benefit for, um, the people that got injured and the one woman that died in the crash on the Teddy Foltz run. And, you know, just one, one thing after another, helping veterans have helping animal charities and stuff. A lot of people don't realize it, but the, the motorcycle community is out there and, you know, 
like the ride and, you know, and helping people is a big thing. Now, not everybody can help on every single thing, but you're going to get some motorcycle people to help something that you got going on. Usually, you know, it all depends on, you know, the, but most of the time and all summer long, I mean, nursing scholarships, we help veterans, um, you know, it's just one thing after another, you know, maybe it's somebody that, uh, was killed in an accident or maybe somebody, you know, it, it, it just goes on and on and on. And so we were busy with that this summer, a lot of concerts and fairs and festivals. And, uh, it, it was just a good time. And, uh, I, I think our next thing we got coming up Christmas tree lighting in downtown Youngstown. You know what? Last year was the first time I was ever a part of that. Because my sister said, you got to get down here. You got to get in this parade. She goes, it's crazy. I, I said, okay, how, how crazy could it be? You know, when I got down here, people were parked from the Penguin Brewery on one side of town all the way to the jail on the other side. And downtown looks so fantastic. And all the bars and restaurants are all decorated. You know, they're, they, they all try to outdo each other. And I'll tell you what, it was such a great party. And I'm looking forward to it again this year. You know, they do the parade. They do, uh, they have like a big flea market on a couple of streets, I think Phelps Street. Yep. And I'll tell you what, they, and it looks so cool because they have all the vendors there and they have all these Christmas lights up and everything. So, uh, you know, the, the tree lighting is on December first and i hope everybody comes out for that because the last time i was there first time I, I don't know how i missed it you know it's one of those things and i i asked my sister i go um you know i go is it like this every year you know because i was this a fluke or it's like no this is like a, a big party in downtown sure. and all the bars are all jamming and everything and you know another thing that i i really think is important is you know and you're down we're, we're in downtown youngstown and you know the the construction that they have had going on here for like a year has been unbelievable and hopefully we're going to be able to, you know, things seem like they're almost done now, right? Are they putting no. <laughs> no? It's like Duquesne University in Pittsburgh. Oh, okay. Perpetual construction. <laughs> or I-90. <laughs> you know, no matter where you go from I-90 from here to Buffalo or certain places, it's always Ever, under construction. Forever. It never goes away. So, but <laughs> I, it, it, well, I it, will it, tell it, you. The roads that they did are amazing. Yes, they, they are. Really good job. Yes, they are. And they, you know, it, it just continues to look good for downtown Youngstown. Yeah. Hopefully, you know, what they say, temporary inconvenience, uh, permanent improvement. There so hopefully that's going to work out. And uh, but anyways, come on down and uh, give the give these folks a little shot in the arm here. Downtown Youngstown can definitely use it. And, uh, you know, bring the kids, bring everybody, bring the family. We got the parade. We got the, the vendors down here. And it, it, it's going to be an awesome time. So that's what is uh, coming up here pretty soon. Uh, what else did I see? Speaking of nightlife, you know, and I, I know we, we've always been talking about this. You know what? I think we need another drink. You know, you just want to give me a little, I'll just a, just a little, a little nip, a, a little nip, nip, nip you know. Yeah, I I don't want to I don't want to get you know the uh, completely drunk you know because sometimes we get these guests in. Well, the Huck and Phil Billies had to be the best. I think we drank two bottles of Jack while the Huck and Phil Billies were here easily. That had to be one of our best shows ever. I mean, the Jack was just flowing. flowing. I mean, it was just like okay, we all walked out of here like. Damn, what was that all about, man? <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you, I, I think of the Huck and Phil Billies, and I think of 
over the years, we have had some of the wildest Halloween parties ever, especially when we were doing like Connie out Lake park every year, the haunted hotel and stuff. I mean, some of them parties just got so far off the chain because you had a hotel there. So nobody had to drive. So nobody, you know, everybody was just balls out, man, you know, and boy, we had some epic classic uh, Halloween parties up there with the Huck and Phil Billies. And you got to check out their drummer. They got this kid. He was on one of the TV shows or something. He's like 15, 16 years old. And he is just like a madman on drums. He's going to be like one of these next future people that you're going to say, Oh man, I remember we saw that kid with the yep. Huck and Phil Billies for a while because he, he, you know, he is, a, and he's such a nice kid. I can't think of his name right off the top of my head. I know his dad and everything. And, uh, you know, I'm just drawing a blank, but boy, he is, he is so badass. And we did a gig with them at the, um, at the lube this summer. And he went into this drum solo that was just like unbelievable. And then one of the guys sitting at the bar goes, Oh, that's that one song from, uh, yeah, that's that one song from, uh, Slipknot. He goes, nobody could play that. I can't believe it. And then so he go, they get done. I go, Hey, is that, he goes, Hey, that was from Slipknot. Right. And he goes, yeah, yeah. And, uh, his, his name's Brett Miller, right? Yeah. Brett Miller, Brett Miller, Brett Miller. Yeah. And I think his dad might work at sunrise. If I'm not mistaken. I'm, I, I, you know, I know these guys. But, you know, sometimes my mind gets a little jumbled. But, yeah, watch, watch for that kid and uh, Huck and Phil Billies because he is really good. He is really good. So what's Michael say here? I can't read his, it. Says, uh, uh, it's so nice to look at the NFL standings and see the Steelers in the bitch seat behind the Browns. It really is. It really is. And, you know, I don't want to get too carried away, you know, because especially, you know, you know, but it, it feels good for a change. It, it feels it good does. for a change. It's about time we get our day in the sun. And there are some actually some Steelers fans that are out there that are kind of happy about it. You know, they're like, yeah, hey, that's good. You know, I'm glad to see you guys sticking in there. You know, I, I've said this before, and I'll say it again. If the Cleveland Browns were in any other city than Cleveland, they would have been run out of town years ago. Yeah. There is no other town, no other city out there that would put up with this kind of stuff. They would have lost interest in this team years ago. It would have been like, no, I'm not going. <laughs> I don't care about them. But us, we just keep going and going and coming back. And let's try it again and next year. And you wait. We're going to get them next year. But isn't it crazy, though? This, this whole season has been a lot of fun because, you know, it, it's just like, ups and downs. Yeah. It's like a roller coaster ride. Right. We play the Steelers. We lose Nick Chubb. It's like, how could this be? We lost Chubb. No, <laughs> no, no, no. You know? And then, you know, Watson finally comes around and then he looks bad and then he has a good game and then he gets hurt. You know, the thing with Watson though, the, uh, to me, the, the jury is still out on this guy. This is still shaping up to be probably one of the worst trades in the history of the NFL. And, and like I say, maybe three years from now, he'll take us to the Super Bowl. But for those of us that have been waiting since 1995 when they took our team away, you know, it's like <laughs> <laughs> when when Bill Belichick cut Bernie Kosar. Remember mm -hmm. that? Oh, that was just like – and then it, right, it wasn't long after that. That's when they moved, Strong, you know. Yeah. 
But who would have thought Bill Belichick would have went to where he was? But aren't you glad? Don't you love seeing you know New England in last place? Yes. I think there's one thing that we could all share is is that New England is in last place, yep. and Bill Belichick is choking. And I, I saw a statistic somewhere. You know, without Brady, he has a losing record career-wise. Without Tom Brady, he has a losing record. Mm. So what does that say? And yes. I don't think people are out there just knocking on the door to get Bill Belichick. Although I did see some people floating some stuff around out there. What if the Browns got Brady and talked to him out of coming back and we get Belichick and, you know, <laughs> it's just like – Weird. <laughs> yes, we are. <laughs> because we're Browns fans. What does that tell you? We're Browns fans. We've been sticking with this team through thick and thin all these years, mm -hmm. you know? So that's, uh, but, you know, like I say, if the Browns were in any other city other than Cleveland, Ohio, nobody would give a damn about them. I mean, look at these teams that move away anyways to begin with, you know? Like Los Angeles. They lost yeah. the Rams, the Raiders. Yeah. Yeah. Or even like, look at baseball, you know, the Oakland A's are moving out and yeah. you know, they're going to Vegas and yeah, California's a mess, you know? So the, these teams are just like, uh, you know, any other city, they, they, they would be losing. Well, I don't know though. You know, the, these NFL teams are worth so much money that they could even, you know, offer somebody a $273 million guaranteed contract. So, you know, could you imagine, you know, if, if anybody out there, could you imagine if you just didn't have to show up for work and to get paid that much money? And I think the Browns and a lot of these pro teams and college teams are still paying like some of these coaches that were flops and stuff, millions of dollars. I think we're still paying like uh, Hugh Jackson. So this guy, you know, went, went two years and won three games and they fired him and he's still getting money. Maybe I, I could be wrong on oh, that, I, but no, I, I think you're right. I, I know there was a, a, a while there where Hugh Jackson was still getting money. I think we were paying Romeo Cronell for crying out loud, you know? So it's only in, uh, it's only in, uh, in, in pro football. Yeah. Hugh Jackson contract. He agreed to a four year, uh, oh, oh, grambling state. Okay. Oh, so Hugh's still out there. Yeah, are, are the Browns still paying Hugh Jackson? Okay, <laughs> let's see here. Hugh Jackson's contract with the Brown had an had an, a, a, a bonus incentives that did not call for losing games. Wait, wait a minute, I, I I don't know, I can't read that. But I think there's a, I think there's a, uh, I, I think that they still might be paying him, or they were paying him for a while. Yeah, you know, and I think, well, look at look at uh, look at the Raiders. I think they're still paying Gruden and uh, the other guy. Yeah, I can't think of his name right now. You know, I'm not necessarily a sportscaster, but I think they're still paying them like millions of dollars. Yep. Man, I screwed up at work. <laughs> You know, most people screw up at work. And you're thinking, oh, I hope I don't get canned or unless you don't like your job and you go, oh, go ahead, can me. I don't, you know, <laughs> you know, you're giving them the middle finger out the door, but only in pro football. So that shows you how much money that these guys have to throw around, you know, that, and, and, and you know, what gets me about pro football and the, the, well, there's a few things. Okay. You know, that you could pay somebody like that, or you could pay people for not working that screwed up. But then if you want to build a stadium, you want to come to the taxpayers and have them pay for it. Billions. Billions. Oh. You know, and, and and then another thing too, when you look at the NFL, unlike pro baseball, they have a free minor league system. 
you know, the college, the college football is a free minor league system for pro football and it builds superstars. They don't have to pay a penny. And a lot of that is funded by taxpayer money. If you go to a state college, you know, what, you know, I'm, I, I understand they make money on these big programs and stuff, but there's still a state college where it's supposedly you're supposed to be going there to learn, mm-hmm. you know, and meanwhile, people are filing bankruptcy because they messed up on their student loans or whatever. And, you know, we're, we're giving a place for these guys to go get millions of dollars. And, and I, I, you know what, I don't bitch and complain about, you know, like the average salary about NFL players, because to think about it, to be a pro athlete, you're looking at the best of the best. You know, if you want to see the best of the best, and it's like, if you want to see the Eagles, you want to see the best of the best, you want to see the Rolling Stones, you want to see the best of the best, you want to see Bruce Springsteen or whoever, these guys that have been around that are the best of the best, it's going to cost you money, especially nowadays. So, you know, I mean, if somebody has dedicated their whole life to football from the time they were in the peewees to become the best in the peewees, to become the best in high school, to become the best in college, and to compete at the pro level, the the discipline and everything it takes to become to that level, they have worked a lot for it. Mm-hmm. And then where do they get a chance to maybe four, five years, six years on average? At is that what it is? Yeah. And you get all beat up, and then you're like Bernie Kosar and brain damage and you got arthritis, you can't walk and everything. So for what they go through, you know, I mean, it's not like, you know, they just walked in there. It's not like you're comparing, you know, that to, you know, whatever else you do. And although, you know, but then, you know, you do have the valid argument. Okay. We don't have money to pay our veterans, but we could pay Deshaun Watson, $273 million. So I, I get that argument right. in there too. Or, you know, well, why aren't we paying doctors more, school teachers more that are shaping people's minds and stuff like that? So I get, I, you know, but I could see why they make that much money. And if people are willing to pay, you know, and if you want to see the best of the best and you see how, when it gets to the pro level, I mean, it is so tight. The competition is so tight. You've got, what, 30 teams with 40-man rosters or whatever it is? So after all these years, you work to get to that point. So the 32 teams or whatever that you see with those 40 guys on there, those are the best of the best of the best. And some of those aren't even that good, you know? Right. You know? Yeah, I, I think sometimes some of those those standouts that, you know, maybe supplemental draft or undrafted <laughs> – and they end up on somebody's practice squad, like 20 yeah. years of sacrificing <laughs> yes. every day for yes. football. Yes. And you're on a yeah, practice yeah, squad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you know, I, I, I've stayed in shape. I've watched my <laughs> diet. I have been in the weight room every single day since I was 12 years old. You know, I could run 10 miles. I could do this. I could do that. I can bench press 500 pounds. And I'm on the practice squad. <laughs> You know, but that's got to be a hard pill to swallow, right there. Yeah, no kidding. But you know what? No, because you, you you're you're trying your best and you're trying to make it. You know, and, and you got a lot farther than a lot of other people. You knocked at the door. But I don't know, man. You're a senior. You're serving two a days in ninety degree weather, and you're like all this for the practice squad. <laughs> you know, yeah. Uh, cheers. Here we go once again. Chief James Minoski, the White House best, best chef in the U.S. Navy.
for hooking us up with the White House Navy mess cocktail glasses. Cheers. God bless America. America. Mm. Like I say, that's the thing about bourbon. A lot of people don't realize, you know, I'm just used to pounding down a shot or something. This every little once in a while, take a little nip. That's why you need the cigar. You still hitting the cigars? Oh, yeah. Oh, you're still all in on the cigars? Yeah. Oh, okay. That's good. That's good. So, uh, what are some of your favorites right now? What are, uh, what, what, what we find in the, uh, Joe Danier? So I got a thing for Buffalo trace right now, both the bourbon and the cigar. Oh, brands. they have a cigar to go along with it. <sighs> so good. <laughs> I do like the Buffalo trace too. That is good. It's hard. so hard to get. Like you can go down to, you know, like Kentucky or whatever and find Buffalo Trace in grocery stores here. You got to get on a waiting list and <laughs> yeah, arrive Thursday, yeah, six yeah. o'clock in the morning, like concert <laughs> tickets just for. Yeah. They did bourbon. that today at uh chalet premiere yeah. out in Boardman. They had uh, some kind of a special Brown's victory crown Royal. And I think they only had like 70 bottles and the crown Royal bag had the Brown's emblem on it and stuff. And it come in a special box and everything. Very competitive. Yeah. Oh yeah, man. The bourbon <laughs> thing is, is just, is just out of control, man. The bourbon thing is just off the hook. And, uh, yeah, you know, Dr. Sue, our friend, Dr. Sue is a bourbon expert. Remember that one day she came on the show and yep. she, she really knew her stuff, oh, man, about, yeah. I learned a lot about that too, you know, from Pappy Van Winkle and Blanton's and, you know, Buffalo Trace. And, you know, she went on and on and on and on. And sometimes I see some of these, you know, for what a bottle this bourbon goes for. And it's like, wow, yeah. you gotta be, uh. 500 bucks for a bottle of whiskey. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I do have a couple of Cuban cigars from my sister. I, you know, we'll have to smoke we'll one have of those celebrate one, day. one of these nights. Yeah. Yeah. They're the small ones though, which, okay. which I kind of like, they almost, you know, a little bigger than cigarettes. Kind of like it gives you the Clint Eastwood look, Oh yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah. 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 You know, it's not a cigarette. It's a cigar, but it's still the same size. But, uh, that's, you know, what? you know, what was a big post that I had this week on Facebook? I, I, I've been exercising here a little bit and I really like walking in Mill Creek Park, even at this time of year, you know, 50 degree day and a walk so in Mill better. Creek Park cannot be beat. And, you know, and I've been, I've been hitting it pretty good. And the other day I was down in, in the flats and I took a couple of pictures because I was reminiscing about, you know, the high school days, 1975, 76, and what the flats in Mill Creek Park was like. And, you know, when you come over that silver bridge, they have the little rock formation up on the side of the hill. And then they have this little like cave that they used to call witch's cave. Yeah, I remember that. And back in the day, everybody used to skip school and go down there and drink Boone's farm wine and smoke oh, no. weed. <laughs> and and, and I, I posted a picture of Witch's Cave and a couple of other pictures. And, and I said, I can only imagine how much weed and how much Boone's Farm Strawberry Hill was consumed on this spot. On <laughs> this hollow ground <laughs> for many years. And especially because people would come down from my door apart too. So when they would have hot day and stuff. You know, you'd have people down there tripping on acid back in the day and just sitting there in the cave or sitting on them rocks and stuff. <laughs> and I, I just kind of thought it was funny because I'm down there and I'm moving, you know, you know, I'm flashing back to like 1975 and I'm thinking, man, back in the day, there would be 50, 60 kids that were skipping school from Fitch and from Struthers and from Wilson would all be up there. Yes. And then, you know, the flats, you used to be able to just park there. So people used to come down there and there would be hot rods lined up 
and all the guys from the van clubs with those crazy decked out vans from the 1970s with the shag carpet and the bumper sticker that said, if this van is a rockin', don't come a knockin'. And a Molly Hatchet mural painted <laughs> on the side, blasting Boston on the A track. And, you know, and it was just like, it, it used to be just so crazy. And you know, everybody would be out there throwing frisbees around and stuff. And it was just like this very cool scene. But then you know what that you know what that leads to because too many people were having fun. Yes. And there was some weed going around, and this guy looks like he's tripping, and yeah, we got to shut this down. Yeah. So then that's what they did. Then they finally blocked it off where you couldn't park there and stuff. But that thing got fifty thousand, you know, responses and stuff. It was just off the charts, and there were just so many good memories back there. And I think about man, back in that day, we had so much freedom and we were able to do whatever we wanted. You know, maybe the truant officer would come by and, you know, round up the kids skipping school or something, but it was, it wasn't like it is today. It wasn't like it is today. And the flats in Mill Creek park, you know, when we, we share it, when you saw the memories that people were sharing about that, it was like a good time. I think the Wilson High class of 1975 picnic, I think, might have been the final straw where they said, all right, we're shutting it down. You're responsible. Man. Well, not me. <laughs> well, we're not going to get into it too much. But there there are some people that claim that the Wilson High class of 75 class picnic at Mill Creek Park was one of the last, five, last straw. You know, it was just like, okay. Uh, we, we're gonna we're gonna block this stuff up man oh and keith keith sturgeon is checking in how, how you doing keith artist extraordinaire we've been i've been partying with keith here pretty much here on and off uh we've had a couple of uh pretty cool adventures here mike Rapovi, his, uh... what's up mike Murkovi? mike Rapovi, fellow ukrainian how you doing? Yeah, 76. That was crazy. You know, 75, 76, 77. Maybe even you go back to 74, 73. But the flats in Mill Creek Park, that just used to be like the scene, you know? Yep. I guess just still picture it and how I just how cool it was and frisbees flying everywhere. And like I say, all these guys with these custom cars and the 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 custom vans lined up and you know all this great music playing all, out of eight tracks everywhere and uh you know it was it was an era that was gone by you know and not because i'm an old fart do i i say the good old days but i think people that were around in the good old days and you see how things are today those really were the good old days yeah. you know sure. <laughs> they really were and um, we just used to have so much fun there in Mill Creek Park and in Idora Park. And, you know, and, and like I say, you know, that that's when it would bleed over when they would have like hot day or something down there and they have all the bands and everything. And people would be milling around at the flats, walking down the hill or staggering down the hill or floating down the hill or flying <laughs> down the hill or doing a somersault and tumbling down the hill. <laughs> you know, and then you'd, you know, you just see all these burnouts just sitting there on them rocks by Witch's Cave and stuff. And you come around there and you know and I'm, I'm sitting down there and going not a single person here you know i got the whole place to myself you know yeah well you'll be happy to know like a mile and a half on a running trail parallel right by the flats yeah they still smoke weed sitting up on that uh on that bridge yeah yeah so every, yeah, every once there. in a while yeah you, you'll you'll find somebody <laughs> here and there but it ain't like it used to no, be you know? two or three derelicts. <laughs> yeah. 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 And, and they're, they're being kind of, you know, laid back about it and <laughs> hiding out. And 
So legalized weed coming to uh, Ohio here yeah. very shortly. So right now, I think it's at the it's at the point where the politicians now they got to figure out how the legalized weed could benefit their cronies. Yeah. This is where it happens now. Like, okay, if you have a dispensary, you're going to need this piece of equipment in there, or mandatory. Uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Or if you're going to get a license, who's going to get the license, and who's going to decide, and who are we going to name to the weed control board? This is now. This is where these guys are all you know licking their chops here <laughs> yep. this is when they're all getting ready you know and, and you know what what kind of regulations are there going to be for the growers and how are we going to enforce this and oh isn't it something that my buddy's tech firm has that one breathalyzer that detects weed that it's going to be mandatory for every police department in the state of ohio you know and who's going to sign that contract and who are we you know this is where you know that you know they say okay yeah the law passed but it it might change a little bit well this is where now (laughs) this is where all their cronies get their little piece of the pie here you know you watch and see so you have to have, we got to point people to some kind of board, some kind of commission and who's going to be on that and how are we going to determine and what are they going to do? And you know, what, what kind of things are we going to need in every dispensary that, Oh, my brother-in-law's company makes those, you know? So this is what I see coming up next. The next step is they got to figure out how their buddies and their cronies are going to get a little cut of this pie yep, somehow sure. by hook or by crook, mostly by crook. But, uh, Hey, my buddy, Jason's checking in. How you doing, Jason? Jason, a Steelers fan. He's a little bummed out today. And, uh, Jason is a big Bob and Tom fan, loves the Bob and Tom show. And uh, I got a big prize pack going out to Jason. Sweet. Good friend of mine from down in Sharon at uh, bike night at the lube. And, uh, Jason's been around for a long time. So, Hey, Jason, good to hear from you. He's a big movie nut too. He's always going to check out movies. You know, if I, if I want a movie review, I'll ask Jason. I'll ask Jay. He'll he'll know about that. But yeah, man, I'll tell you what. The flats back in the day was something else. I mean, it was just fun. It was just fun. You know, it was just laid back and it was fun. And nobody was really bothering anybody, you know. But now they have a sign that even says it's the flats. You know, they didn't have a sign back in the day. You know, but once they block, you know, think about that. They have that whole great big field there with a couple of picnic tables and that's it. And you really can't use it. So like, what's the point in having the park if you really can't use it? You know, <laughs> let's shut it down. But you know what? Honestly, today, who knows what kind of trouble would would erupt? You know, I think that's a problem today is with this, with this violence too, you know, with these shootings and stuff like that. Could you really have a place like that where hundreds of people could come every day, young people and just, you know, chill and have fun or is somebody going to pull a gun and start shooting people? Well, you go to New York and see Central Park. There's hundreds of thousands of people yeah. there. How oh, yeah. Do it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they, they they get shot and stabbed and robbed and, you know, yeah. It, it, yeah, to, yeah, bad, we, bad. We used to yeah, blood. Yeah, yeah. Maybe we're not going to go with Central Park. <laughs> you know, but no, it, it, it just used to be a, a, a great time, you know. But seriously, I think now you might have a drive-by shooting. Somebody, you know, you know somebody's going to shoot somebody or... You know, there's going to be fights and stuff, but there was never like fights down there and stuff. That's one thing, too. When I look at this whole thing, you know, about the weed and a lot of people are talking about, oh, it's going to lead to other problems and stuff. I still 
and, 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 and I'm a drinker. I still say that booze causes far more problems than weed does, especially if you watch those cop shows like Live PD or On Patrol Live and stuff. It's usually booze that turns these people into raging assholes. Yeah, sure. There's something about alcohol that people that can't handle it, they, they, they're dangerous. They beat their families. They don't go to work. They, drunk, they drive drunk and crash and stumble down and fall down. And, you know, I, I just think, I really think booze causes far more trouble. And then yeah. if, and some people will say, well, you know, weed, weed is a, uh, the gateway drug to all this harder stuff. I say baloney. I say booze is the gateway to any bad yeah. decision that you're going to make. <laughs> you know, I don't think, I don't think people uh, never had a drink in their life and they started smoking weed and they went straight to heroin. Right. I think it starts with, you have a beer, you have a couple of drinks, you get a buzz on, you lose your guard. If you don't want to smoke weed, then you smoke it. And then it goes to there. Right. But you know, I mean, how many people just stop at weed? You know, what do they say? You put five drunks in a room, you have a fist fight, you put five stoners in a room, they, they start a band, <laughs> you know? And, and, and I, I really believe that, but I, I see oh, some of these good. people out there don't, don't think that they don't think that way, but you know what, just from what I see and just people that I know and just some of these bad, sloppy, violent drunks that beat their families and stuff like that. If they were just smoking a joint, they're not going to do that. So, so once it's legal, are we going to bring the green label into Youngstown Studio? Uh, we'll see what we could do. Right, yeah, right. you know, or we, you know, what beverage, we'll, right? we'll have, yeah, we'll have uh, some uh, taste testers here, some experienced uh, folks, you know, some connoisseurs. Jaybird would probably be my go-to. Jaybird, Viking Jim, oh, you got to get Viking yes, Jim in here. Yes. I, I think we'll have a panel. Early you adopters. Know, yeah, yes. you know what? Here, here's what we'll do. You know, because. You know, it's going to be interesting to see how many people go to these dispensaries because there's so many people that got their guy, you know, they still got their guy and, you know, they like what they get from their guy and, you know, they like to go see their guy and go play little video games or something and have a couple drinks and burn one and, you know, and, and yeah, so you still got the people out there that got their guy. And, you know, are they going to, you know, is, is the, the quote unquote guy going to go by the wayside, Yeah. you know, or, you I'm know, or, 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 or do you want, or do you want, you know, your guy, are you going to stay loyal to him and, 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 and continue on getting that stuff? Or, or are you going to look at like stuff you get at the dispensary as being like commercial? Is that going to be like <laughs> going to Denny's instead you're going to a chain restaurant <laughs> instead of going to your local bar or honky tonk or restaurant that's independently locally owned and operated. Mm, so, point. you know, are you going to go to the Harley shop or are you going to go to Bruno that fixes them in his garage, you know, because he's a good dude. And, you know, so that it's going to be interesting to see. But so for that, yeah, they're all voting for Viking Jim. <laughs> they're voting for Viking Jim. They're going for Mike. I'll tell you what, Jay. You know what? I got another buddy of mine too that would really be good on the panel. My buddy Sap Dog, and he's like about seventy-two, Vietnam vet, and he, you know, it'll be interesting to see what he says. But I think he gets the yeah, the medical. I, I think he gets the medical high high protein stuff. 
but I, you know, he's been, a, he's been a weed smoker for so long. And he, I think he started in Vietnam. He might've started before he went to Vietnam. And he tells the one story about how, when he came back, man, these guys were, you know, fighting in Vietnam. And the first thing they do is they get into San Francisco or something and they light up a joint. And of course the cops like come down on them. Like what, you know, it's like, these guys have just been fighting their asses off in Vietnam and they just want to smoke a joint on American soil and sit there and, you know, they're already being harassed yeah. and stuff. So, but yeah, we'll, 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 yeah. So if my panel, Hey man, Elizabeth rolling in, how you doing Elizabeth? Good to hear from you. What are, what are some of the other comments here? I, I see. Right, uh, so what did Glenn say? Glenn, we'll uh, start with Glenn. Glenn says, good, uh, good to always see Fast Freddy. Thanks for trying to keep or to help me win those Sabbath tickets during the reunion tour. Yeah. Okay. Yep. And then. Uh, yeah. See, Bill Larson. Oh, Bill Larson says Viking Jim. Yeah, of course. Wild Bill. Says, Wild Bill from the Wasted 4x4s. Boy, those guys, they have been in the in, in the 4x4 thing for many years. We've had some crazy parties. And Bill usually throws this garage party at his house, and it's just off the hook. So good to hear from Bill. You know, here's how time is flying. His son, Dylan. I remember he'd bring Dylan around to these, you know, truck things and stuff. And this kid's like little. Now the guy, he's grown family and all crazy? this stuff, you know? Yeah, it's wild. Yeah, Bill was like the, the top mechanic at uh, UPS for a lot of years. He had a good job out there. So what does Lenny Woke have to say? My um, sister. It's legal in New York and you can just go get it and you don't have to wait on the guy and it's like a buffet. Yeah, okay, there we go. So this is what we're going to find out. This is what we're going to find we out. We need to know. Yeah, like, yeah. And I'm going to make sure we get, new. I'm going to make sure that we get an esteemed panel of experts For in sure. on here. Once this thing rolls out. We oh, don't yeah. need to, these rookies. Just <laughs> yeah, no, yesterday. no, 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 no. We're going to get, we're going to get people in here that are going to be, but you know what? That That's like, you know, the, yeah, the stoner, you got to wait on the guy to get there and stuff. <laughs> yeah. I remember these guys, they were buddies of mine and they, they, they did auto body work self-employed auto body <laughs> mechanics okay so they had the they had the thing you know they had the garage and most of the day was, was trying to find weed but you know they they these are the guy kind of guys you ride by like this garage at three o'clock in the morning people are in there working on cars and stuff yeah well here's how this whole thing goes because you wake up and before you start working on the car you need a joint so and and back in the day when you didn't have cell phones you had to try to find the guy you know, <laughs> and hope he was home and hope that he had something. So you would probably spend the first couple hours of the day riding around town, going to several different guys to find which guy was around, you know, so then you start there. So then you got to burn your first one and then you go from there. And then, uh, then you think, oh man, this guy has this used car for sale that I saw in the mini merchant or whatever. So now everybody got a pile in the car, fire one up, go out there and look <laughs> at the car, you know, the mini merchant. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. And then you would go back and then finally like at about, you know, you started this day at like about noon. So around six <laughs> o'clock now you're ready to start working on this car. Right. All right. So you're ready to start buffing or painting or whatever. Then you realize, wow, that dime bag is gone. Did we smoke that whole thing? <laughs> so now it's about six, seven o'clock and it's back to find the guy again. You know. <laughs> well, first, no, 
first you go through all your ashtrays and you roll a roach joint. And so you go through (laughs) all the ashtrays and you find all the roaches and then you roll a roach joint. Then you smoke that. And then maybe you, you, you get enough in there to put that first coat of paint on. So then you put that first coat of paint on. Now you want to go find the guy again. Well, it's it's seven o'clock, eight o'clock. He's home from work now. And then you go right back out there. <laughs> and then all of a sudden you ride by this one bar and you see your buddy out there and you go, oh, look who's there. It's Pete, man. I Hey, he wants to buy these, these wheels off of me. I got to go in there and talk to him. <laughs> so then you go in there and you talk to Pete. So then the next thing you do after that is then you and Pete got to go out in the parking lot and burn one. And now that's like six joints yeah, today. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And now it's about eight o'clock. And then you're you're like, man, we got to get this car going. <laughs> and you start wet sanding and stuff. And then on it goes. And then about two o'clock, you finally shut it down. And then it's like, okay, we'll, we'll get the rest of this. minutes of work went into this yes, car today. Yes, yes. <laughs> and and maybe that's the problem. The the the, the, the going to get the guy that, that might be uh, that might be slowing you down. So maybe you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's it's all part of the thing, yeah. And that that that's how that goes. So for finding the guy, it, you know, it, it might be easier just to go to the store and but walk today, in. Today you could probably get Uber treats right to your door. Yeah, right? yeah. More. You know what? I wonder if they do that. Totally, probably, they're gonna do that. Probably. And then of course, or maybe there's you know you probably have to have a state licensed delivery for this or whatever. But it's gonna be interesting to see how it goes. But you know, when you go to Michigan. It's like, you know, it, it's pretty wide open. You just like, like my sister said there in New York city, you, uh, you just go there and you walk into the store and they got candy bars and Skittles and beverages and vapes and bags of weed and gummies and 15 different kinds. And, you know, so it's, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how this whole thing pans out, you know? Yep. But, uh, yeah, you know, and, and every one of those dispensaries you see in Detroit, they got a line around the block. They got a line around the block. They got security guards and everything. So it's going to be interesting to see where are they going to put these dispensaries? Where are they going to put them? You know, what are, what are they going to be allowed to sell in Ohio? You know, it might be like booze, you know, oh, they, hey, man, they got these 300 milligram gummies in, uh, in, uh, Detroit. And here they're only giving us one fifties or, you know, whatever, you know, how are they going to decide that? You know, I hope they follow somebody that has a successful thing going, you know, and, 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 and model it after that. Now, when you get up the Western New York and you get up around the Indian reservations, they just got roadside shacks. Like it's a produce stand, you know, like a firework stand. And yeah. they just got a, they just got a whole little thing there. of like, Hey, you know, and some dude standing there, burned out anyone who went by some gummy man you know dirty (laughs) ziploc yeah yeah. (laughs) homemade these are native american special ingredients man (laughs) (laughs) like them guys that come around every once in a while at a bar or something they want to say you beef jerky and just a you know a ziploc bag (laughs) hey dude you want some jerky it's like nah that's okay but i'll tell you what every once in a while you get a little buzz on and you buy some of that jerky and you're like wow that's really good man I like that. I'm digging it. You know, say hey, how much more? Hey, give me another bag of that. So yeah, there's somebody out there that says, man, they got this one stand up there and 
on the way to Niagara Falls and then one Indian dude, man, I'll tell you what, those gummies that that guy, the candy bar, the, and that's these other things too, man. I mean, they got cookies, they got candy bars, they got, you know, it's, it, it's just crazy. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. But like I say, I, I think, you know, that, that, well, that's another thing. Well, we've got about 10 minutes here and then we'll wrap it up, but you know, uh, we, they've been talking about, and we've been talking about this for the last couple of years about how the nightlife is changing. You know, we're talking about the flats and how things used to be there. And, you know, it's just not in Youngstown. I, I read an article the other day about Pittsburgh, about how the nightlife has just changed so yeah. tremendously. And one of the things they say is that younger people would rather stay at home, smoke some weed, play some video games. You know, you don't have to go out anymore to try to find girls. You know, you could text them online or whatever, you know, and you know, it's not like you would go out on a Saturday night and try to find your friends. You know, you had no phone, so you'd have to drive to this bar. And if nobody was there, you'd drive to the next bar and you'd go here and you'd go there. And, uh, you know, they said, that's one of the things that a a lot of younger people today would just rather sit at their house. And plus, you know, some of these places there's a, a, a violence, you know, just even driving to places these days, somebody cuts you off and shoot you, you uh, know, I mean, it ain't like the old yeah. days, man. You know, I mean, I remember just, you know, everybody's like starting fights with somebody in a car next to them or flipping them off or something and yelling at them. Hey, we'll meet you McDonald's asshole. But you know, nowadays, you don't know, somebody just pull out a gun and start shooting you, mm-hmm. you know? And, and I guess in the big cities too, at some of those nightclubs, that is, that has been a deterrent from people going out. And COVID certainly didn't help a thing, oh, man. Yeah. COVID just put the kibosh on so much stuff and it just changed things. And we talk about this all the time. Now we start at six, seven, play until 10. After midnight, there's nothing going on. Mm-hmm. And back in the day, you would start getting ready to go out at 10 o'clock. Midnight, the joint would start jamming. Two o'clock, if it was hopping, they'd tell you to just keep playing or whatever and keep the place open after closing time and risk taking a fine, you know, yeah. just to keep it going. And then after that, everybody would either go to the splendid, the low life on market street, um, you know, Denny's, all those places that have a line Perkins that have a line waiting around the building to get in at two o'clock in the morning, two 30. Now, if you see any cars on the road at midnight anymore, it's usually a cop, yeah. you know, and it's been a, a real problem for, uh, you know, nightlife. It's, it, it has changed so much. And this gets back to even where we started with this. You're not going to see the days of the Tomorrow Club anymore. You're not going to see the day of a Joe Walsh playing in a corner bar, Bob Seeger, you know, hey, Bob Seeger playing a, a, a club in Youngstown, you know, and it, 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 it has just changed so much. And that's why I, I stick by what I say when I say the, the good old days really were the good old days, because you'll never see that kind of stuff. And it was fun. It was F U N fun, especially at that one point when they had uh, the drinking age legally was 19 for anything. And that lasted for about a year. And then they had to change it and then they grandfathered it back and stuff like that. But at that point, when like 19 was the legal drinking age in Ohio, every place was jumping, man, you know? But now, you know, people can't find places to work or, you know, people to work, you know, and the margin, profit margin now at these places are so thin. I mean, there's some places that are doing okay. 
you know, West Side Bowl is a is a real gem, you know, for like bringing in original music and things like that. But that's the only place. Where where else do you get it? You know, it's it's hard to find. If you're a band and you want to have like an original sound, good luck at trying to find someplace that's going to book you. Right. You know, even the cover bands, if it's not crowded, man, they'll, you know, they want to beat you down on the price. We didn't make any money. I mean, I've seen on Friday nights, Saturday nights, midnight, some of these places that used to be hopping. Nobody, they're closed. Some of these places are closed at 11 o'clock now on the weekends. Mm. You know, it's it's not like it used to be. But, right. you know, my, my thing is nothing's like it used to be. What's Glenn saying there? I see something uh, about edibles. Edibles are definitely the way to go. You can make can of butter and can of sugar with scraps and still see jesus george washington and the ghost of jerry garcia oh okay well that's good yeah you know the the, the edibles too that's a, a whole new other thing to, to people you know but uh yeah we're, we're gonna see what happens and when it does we are gonna do such an in-depth expert report on that we're going to get to the bottom of that. Science. <laughs> yep. totally. Oh, okay. Yeah. Eric says you got to put Sonny from Saxville Rhythm and Blues on the panel. Definitely. And our buddy, Norm Nardini. He's another one, man. He's some experts in our listening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I could get so I could make this a real expert panel that people would be saying, man, this is really great. So what do you think, Joe? Are we going to wrap it up for tonight? That was a great uh, first new show. You think we come out of the box pretty good? Absolutely. I want to thank everybody for tuning in. And, uh, you know, we'll we'll start hitting our guest here pretty hard in the next few weeks. Uh, hopefully we'll get the Vindies on at some point. And um, I, I just got a lot of people that want on. Now I'm sitting here looking like, how am I going to get all these people on once a week? So a few of these things, we're probably going to have to double the guest yeah. up. But if that's the way it goes, that's the way it goes. All right, Joe, thank you. And uh, remember, check out the uh, Youngstown Studio, youngstownstudio.com. Uh, you can find our podcast wherever you find podcasts, uh, probably Odyssey, iHeartRadio, Podbean, wherever you find a podcast, you're going to find us listed there. And I just want to thank everybody for tuning in today. And I think we are off to a great start to a great year. So cheers, everybody. We're going to have a lot of fun here this winter. And uh, I can't wait to really start getting our guests in here and uh, really getting things hopping. So, Joe, thank you. Cheers. And uh, here's to a, a, a good season here for 2024. Thank you for listening to this show on Youngstown Studio. This is original Youngstown content. Feel free to share our videos and tell your friends about us. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow us on Facebook.